and welcome back to She's All That Minute. The podcast where we analyze the 1999 examination of popularity in high school, She's All That, one minute at a time. I'm your co-host, Aaron. I'm your co-host, James. And minute 29 begins with Lainey finishing up her sentence, uh, or her discussion about you want to talk about art, uh-huh. with there's a word for it. There's an entire movement in the 20s. It's called surreal. <laughs> and I have it going through Brock telling Taylor, I don't want to smell like your spit. <laughs> you thought yesterday's minute went places. Well? Mm-hmm. So Lainey's roundabout way of showing that she knows what art history is um and like yeah <laughs> like <laughs> it's called surreal like sick art burn i guess yeah it's like <laughs> they thought that because they haven't mentioned that she's an artist in the past 30 seconds <laughs> maybe we needed to be reminded right so instead of just having her say i knew better than to think that you were talking to me for any valid reason and now you're gonna pull like do you really think i'm gonna fall for such a dumb line yeah as your eyes are really beautiful like <laughs> come on dude right like they they had to throw in this weird i don't like this line it's very very forced yeah there's also a weird i mean there's also a weird thing where she thinks it's surreal for the class president to now, okay, I'm not saying, like, what? He was just saying a nice thing. Creepy, gross, listen to yesterday's episode. Yeah. But she doesn't, it's not a, you're saying it, you know, whatever, for no reason. She's like, it's surreal that you're saying it at all, which is sort of a sad sort of self-esteem state of the union. Like, yeah. yeah. It's almost like, she, you know, it's not surreal, like, how he said it or or this whole evening has been surreal or whatever. It's the idea of him touching her her face. Yeah. Hmm. Well, would you like to know about uh, some surrealism a little bit? Yeah, tell me about surrealism, because right now I'm still just trying to figure out how it has anything to do with what just happened on the corner. <laughs> right, yeah. Just sort of thesis statement, sort of abstract for, uh, that's an art term too, um, for what mm-hmm. I'm about to say. It, it turns out she knows the word surreal, and she knows the movement is also called that same thing and that the word comes from that movement and that's about where it ends kind of it ends she kind of is saying uh-huh. that was weird and did the movement at least happen in the 20s yes for for the most part at least start in the 20s it took pl- there there was some stuff in the 20s when it was okay good yeah. so she's not wrong about the about the history yeah yeah Okay. So uh, it was a cultural movement which developed in Europe in the aftermath of World War One and was largely influenced by Dada, like Dadaism, um, not my father. Okay. The movement is best known for its visual artworks and writings and the juxtaposition of distant realities to activate the unconscious mind through the imagery. Artists painted unnerving, illogical scenes, sometimes with photographic precision, creating strange creatures from everyday objects and developing painting techniques that allowed the unconscious to express itself. Its aim was, according to Andre Breton, who is like the the face of, like the John F. Kennedy of surreal movement, um, okay. to, quote, resolve the previously contradictory conditions of dream and reality into an absolute reality, a super reality, or surreality. Okay. The term was coined in as early as 1917 by this guy, G- 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 all right, the name is spelled G-U-I- L-L-A-U-M-E. 
Julam, maybe? Gulam? Gulam? G-U-I? L-L. L-L? A-U-M-E. A-U-M-E. Guillaume? Guillaume. There, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a name. That's a name. Um, so... <laughs> Guillaume Apollinaire as early as 1917. However, the Surrealist movement was not officially established until October 15th, 1924, when the French poet and critic André Breton published the Surrealist Manifesto in Paris, which we'll come back to. Okay. The most important center of the movement was Paris, France. From the 1920s onward, the movement spread around the globe, impacting the visual arts, literature, film, and music of many countries and languages, as well as political thought and practice, philosophy, and social theory. Okay. So one example uh, is the I think those uh, melting clocks is one. Yeah, that's. I always think that that was Dolly. Was that not Dolly? That was Dolly, and maybe hold on, maybe he was like post surrealist Salvador, Spanish artist. Yeah, one of the most famous surrealist paintings. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that and then the um, Nespa un pipe or un peep. The this is not a pipe. Oh, because it's a drawing of a pipe. Right. Yeah. That one. That one is a fun, like, sort of thinker. Because, like, you're like, I mean, I get it, but also I, it's like, a, it's not a pipe, but it is, that is a pipe, but it's not a. Anyways. So then we get into like West Side Story Fight Club surreal style, uh, oh. which was unexpected, and so that's why. <laughs> so yeah. Um, leading up to 1924, two rival surrealist groups had formed. By the way. If no one has made a movie of this and just referenced, just taken Anchorman and dubbed over it, that should be a thing. <laughs> I mean, I would watch it because I will watch Anchorman in whatever format I can get it exactly. in. So, My like, name is Guillaume Apollinaire and I'm kind of a big deal. Um, kind of a big deal. Each group claimed to be successors of a revolution launched by Guillaume Apollinaire. One group led by Yvonne Goll, G-O-L-L, Consisted of some guys, just a bunch of French names. It's just, and like, like there's a <laughs> Giuseppe in there. So like, I don't know. Anyways, the other group led by Breton, who, spoilers, we have already heard about him as having, you know, been a big name in surrealism and we didn't hear about the other guys. So draw whatever conclusions you're going to. Um, mm-hmm. So on October 1st, 1924, Yvonne Gall published the Manifesté du Surrealism, uh, in his first and only is- issue of Surrealisme, two weeks prior to the release of Breton's Manifest du Surrealism, called the exact same thing, published by <laughs> Editions du Sagittaire on the 15th of October, 1924. So they both published... It's sort of like the uh, uh, Newton and the other guy inventing calculus at the same time, only if instead of being across the world from each other, they were in the same town. And then they got into surrealist brawls about it. Um, Gaul and Breton clashed openly, at one point literally fighting at the Comédie des Champs-Élysées over the rights to the term surrealism. In the end, this is a... What, the sentence I'm about to say, Aaron, I'm so happy that, we, that we're doing this podcast franchise because I get to say a sentence like this. In the end, Breton, the surrealist art, artist guy won the battle through tactical and numerical superiority. Somewhere in the in the two sentences I read from this paragraph, we went from it's art stuff to he won the battle through better tactics. It's like, 
what and math what happened here what is going on um it says Though the quarrel over the anteriority of Surrealism concluded with the victory of Breton, the history of Surrealism from that moment would remain marked by fractures, resignations, and resounding excommunications, with each Surrealist having their own view of the issue and goals, and accepting more or less the definitions laid out by André Breton. But the idea is there's no one definition, just kind of try and be as random and stream of consciousness as possible. I'm still not following Laney's connection Again, from... It, <laughs> right. The modern 1999 definition of surreal being, whoa, weird. 1920s definition being like this very strict fought over definition about how you don't want to have sort of clearly defined anything and be kind of random and all over the place. But also right. within this one very strict school, I guess the uh, what is it? What did they say? The unnerving, illogical scenes, maybe, is what she's sort of thinking of. Yeah. I'm, I Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Exactly. That is what she means by surreal. Um, <laughs> that is what she means. <laughs> so, I mean, it seems cool, but it also seems like the kind of thing where it's like, mm, I bet most of them were kind of pretty insufferable. Like, yeah, it sort of seems like, uh, we, and it's weird. You know what? It's weird for weirdness sake. And I have yeah. issues with that. But it feels like some people sort of were like, weird for weirdness sake, but I'm going to integrate some like social commentary and stuff into it, which I'm fine with. That's cool. I get, I okay. can get on board with that. But I think there yeah, are also as a lot. as long as there is something else to it. Yeah. I think a lot of people were like, it's a fish on a hat. Surreal. Anyways, I'm going over here and getting drunk in Paris. Right. Like, all right, I guess. Art. Cool. Yeah. Art? Question mark? <laughs> art? Question mark? So, that is what surreal means, and that is uh, Lainey's sick art burn. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says, you go, I'm going to catch a ride with Mitch, and then Freddie Prince Jr. flawlessly, the underwear guy? Like, uh-huh. like, <laughs> yeah, no, Mitch. Yeah. You talked yeah. to him for 20 minutes after the thing. <laughs> Right. He told you how great your hacky sack thing was. How inspired and raw. It reminded him of the 1920s artistic movement, Surrealism. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The thing I just told you about. Yeah. um, The the underwear. I mean, it's a funny punchline. I mean, it it did make me giggle. Oh, for sure. Largely because of his delivery of said line. I do like to think that Mitch did talk to him after the show still just Mm -hmm. in tidy whities oh for sure and in fact that might be how he drives home yeah he might just you know wear his underwear to drop laney off but it's like not a weird creepy thing because it's mitch right (laughs) mitch is the underwear guy like i mean i never got any rides with him at all but the vibe feels kind of scott kirkpatricky where it's like Yeah. yeah he's just in his tidy whities and it's fine Mm-hmm. It's yep. just him being him, and it's yep. safe and it's fine. <laughs> yep. Yeah, like, there is a variety of artists, mm-hmm. and I will use that to encompass theater people because that is mostly what I am right. familiar with. Right. But yeah, there is a variety that, yeah, they just wear their underwear to drive in, and they'll take you home and maybe even come in and, like, have a decaf espresso with your and a biscotti with your dad. Absolutely, all still in their underwear, yeah. and your dad's fine with it. Yeah, you get pulled and over. You're fine with it by the co- he get Mitch gets pulled over by the cops. The cop walks up. Lainey's sort of freaking out. 
Mitch rolls down his window. The cop's like, oh, Mitch, was the show tonight? Oh, man. T- are there still tickets for, like, the cop is on board? Yeah. Like, yeah. this town loves Mitch. Loves Mitch. New headcanon, this, Mitch is the king of this town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Zach Seiler wishes he could be as cool as Mitch. He's, it's like this, it's like the underground punk band that, like, the preps haven't heard of, but uh-huh. is gigantic. And you're like, you've never heard, okay. I mean, I guess different strokes for different folks, but. You've never heard of the Mitches? You don't know, you don't know, it's rock music Mitches? <laughs> Yeah. So anyways, Mitch is now one of my favorite characters because he is a god in his town. Mm-hmm. Then we cut scene. Yes, we do. Brock and Taylor are in his bed. In his bed. Um, the real world is starting with the porniest music I've ever heard at the beginning of a real world episode. Mm-hmm. That is accurate, yes. I guess I haven't seen all of the real world episodes. Have you seen the season that... Uh... I, I will say that I have not. I, I watched okay. uh, six, seven, and a little bit of eight, and then that's it. Okay, so you haven't seen Brock's season, so that's you don't true. know. You know, that's that, true. I mean, maybe that was, they were trying a porny thing. <laughs> the real world. Wink. Uh-huh. MTV. Then the real world is starting, so Brock basically tells her to get off, but not like that, the other one. Like yeah, the 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 one where he's watching TV. Not the now. one you expect when they are making out in bed. Right, and he has asked her to stop because he wants to watch himself mm-hmm. on the episode with his very sensitive talking head. Um, I this this scene went through some evolution for me. Okay, because I watched it the first time and I'm like, huh, good gag. Then I watched it a second okay. time and I was like wait a minute, I watched it a third and a fourth time. So he's having a talking head, talking about how he's an only child. He didn't have any friends growing up. He doesn't know how to interact with people. These are his first roommates. His heart's so big. It's just really big. And then his attention is drawn off screen. And the captions say, and the transcript says that he says, hey ho, which I was like, I mean, that's a fun juxtaposition in a late 90s sort of way where he's like, I'm so sensitive and I will also call that that woman a hoe. Uh-huh. And then the next line is apparently a girl saying, fuck that, but the fuck is bleep. That's not what I heard. Exactly. So I then I was like, he says something. I thought he said, hey, and someone's name, but it was not a name that I am familiar with. So I did not know what the name was. So you, you have made it to the end of my journey. It was... At first okay. I thought that they censored it because the line was originally, hey, mo, which I was like, is that a late 90s term for like homo, but it's even shorter than that, where it's like you're calling right. them gay. Then I heard it again. I was like, he's saying, hey, yim ho. Yeah. And then I looked up. I was like, is yim ho a name? And it is. I mean, yim ho is the name literally of like a 1980s, uh, like Japanese action director. But okay. yim ho is a name that you can have. So I think it's not that he was saying, hey, ho. He was saying, hey, yim, ho. And yim, ho, masculine presenting uh, roommate, says, fuck off. Yeah, it was like a deep male sounding voice. Yeah. It was not a voice that I would have thought was a woman. And I was like, wow, there's a, a bunch of stuff that this cap, that like these two caption lines assume 
incorrectly. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the transcript must be taking from the captions. Yeah, it was it was it was wild. So like I'm like, it's a different joke. Yeah. Because the, the the joke that the captions would have you is that he's saying he's sensitive and then he calls someone a hoe. And that's fine. Right. I guess. Like, in terms of Brock's character, whatever. Right. But him saying, hey, Yimho, and Yimho saying, fuck off. And then him saying, see what I'm talking about? We it, it, it It's a richer story where yeah. we know from previous clips that he is a jerk on the real world. Right. But from this talking head that you hear correctly, it would not be that way. Yeah, this does imply that Yimho is the asshole. Yeah. And we we also side with Yimho because we know that Brock is Brock is Brock. So like Yes, absolutely. So yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, so also what I got to do when I kept rewinding and rewinding past uh the point where I was trying to hear what it said, <laughs> I kept getting Taylor just full on licking him, just licking his yep. chest. Yep. And I don't necessarily want to have a conversation because I don't think there's any place to go. But I did stop and be like, acting's weird sometimes, huh? Right? <laughs> okay. Right? Um, They're like, okay, Jody Lynn. Yeah. You're going to just lie there and lick him. Just like, just, just lick him. For, for a, wa- a long time, her autobiography was going to be called Lie There and Lick Him. But uh, then she had a full other career thing. and um, uh-huh. Yeah, but like... I was listening to uh, a podcast uh, that uh, Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey from The Office host, and they were talking okay. about a scene where Angela and Dwight are in like a, they're making out, but we only see their feet. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about how like, she's like way shorter than Rain Wilson. So she had to like, be like, at his chest, mm-hmm. and like, twisted so that her feet could like, hit his feet. And like, she was like, it was the most uncomfortable, awkward, hot in like a temperature way like it was fine and we were laughing and we were talking and it's fine but like it makes me think about like action okay now you're licking him and she was for sure licking him like yeah she was making out with his chest conversations like this always make me think about the um martin freeman's character in love actually yes the stand-ins yes absolutely yeah they're like the 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 body stand-ins for the actual stars and so they're just Naked, having a conversation while the techies set the lights. Yeah. The things that I rarely think about when it's when it comes to like, and then I watch this movie. But yeah. they had to go through two weeks of choreography or combat training or accent training. Or they're actually interacting with right. nothing in front of a green screen. That's the one that always gets me. Like, yeah, what, watching... Like Harry Potter, especially watching the Harry Potter hmm. movies, I'm like, they're just on a plastic broom that's like on a green stand, yeah, in front of a green screen and having to pretend like they're actually playing Quidditch, yeah, and like how wild, yeah, and yeah. it gives me like a a really strong appreciation for what actors do for sure, absolutely. I mean, like. I was listening to a podcast today about uh, North by Northwest, and there's a scene where Cary Grant is has been made drunk and then uh, put in a car because they're trying to get rid of him. Okay. And so the car is definitely just the front of a car with a steering wheel, and the mm-hmm. rest of the thing is a projection of road. 
Um, yeah. That actually they made fun of in Airplane, but like, you know, with stuff happening in the projection that like is wild. But like Cary Grant trying to pretend to be drunk, I mean, drunk driving, frankly, in a car that is not a car. Mm-hmm. It's not even the semblance of a car. It's like a, it's barely a, like a drive-through diner car. Like if they have right. a cool stylized booth. Yeah. And then like uh, I think on Sonic the Hedgehog, the the recent one with uh, Ben Schwartz is not like the the one. Actually, they've only made one. They made the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Um, I guess they got like a a thing for James Marsden to look at so that he could be making eye contact, like not just sort of looking in the general space of where they were going to put the CGI. But right. instead, like, they had, like, a thing there to for him to look at and stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's funny to see how they've... It's like, James, talk to this tennis ball on right. a stick. Right. <laughs> We've drawn a smiley face on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's... Anyway, it, I mean, there's film innovation. It sort of makes you also think, like, film, no matter how the budget is, it's all a little still kind of DIY. Let's trick the audience into... Like, yeah. the tools are more expensive and more advanced, maybe, but, like, it's still... All right, you're going to pretend to be flying. Ready? Yeah. <laughs> We're all basically just talking to a tennis ball while sitting in half an hour. And, I, you know, and sometimes that tennis ball is another professional actor, and it's just, like, you just got to kind of carry him. But, uh... Mm-hmm. So, he asks her to stop licking him. Because he has a an audition for the new spelling drama at two. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is fun shorthand uh, that I almost didn't uh, fully uh, flesh out because I was so sure that it was sort of a given what a spelling drama at two. But then when you think about the words, what if you don't know who Aaron Spelling is? I have an audition for a spelling drama at two. It's like what Akila and the bee is being remade. Like, right. It's a spelling drama. Like, (laughs) um, but no, he is talking about, uh, Aaron spelling, who was a very big, uh, producer. He was also an actor and, um, was he really? Well, sometime like, like at, like he, he had appearances on like, I love Lucy and stuff, but like, basically he sort of found his niche and then stopped doing the acting stuff. Oh, okay. Some of the productions that he did that you may have heard of, Charlie's Angels, The Love Boat, Dynasty, Beverly Hills 90210, Melrose Place, Seventh Heaven, and perennial James and Aaron Movie Minutes uh, franchise Charmed mm-hmm. were all Aaron Spelling productions, or were all Aaron... Yeah, I guess he was just the main producer on those, and then he was also a producer on the Mod Squad and Sunset Beach. Okay. He holds the record as the most prolific television producer in U.S. television history. Good for him. With uh, 218 producer and executive producer credits. Quick history, because I found it fascinating. Uh, Three paragraphs, uh, all fascinating in various ways. At the age of eight, he psychosomatically lost the use of his legs due to trauma caused by constant anti-Semitic bullying from his classmates. And was confined to bed for a year and then made a full recovery. So, like, Whoa. that's how Aaron Spelling started, which is crappy. There's and... a lot to <laughs> yeah, right, there. Right? I was like, he did the, and then the, wah, huh. Like, it, what a wild opening act to your life. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. sucky and, and people suck 
a whole lot sometimes like institutionalized racism and, and bigotry, um, you know, yeah. just all throughout the ages. Uh, uh-huh. Even Aaron Spelling, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So then the second paragraph is, after attending Forest Avenue High School in Dallas, I if it's not on Forest Avenue, I don't even want to hear about it. <laughs> he served in, actually, I want to hear about it more if it's not on Forest Avenue. I take right, that back yeah. and completely reverse it. He served in the U- United States Army Air Corps as a pilot during World War II. Okay. Then... After that, after he was a a pilot in World War II, uh, he went to and graduated from Southern Methodist University in 1949, where he was a cheerleader. So, like, okay. uh, all right, well-rounded Aaron, Aaron Spelling. Good, yeah. good on you. Like, all right. So that's Aaron Spelling. His daughter, he has a daughter named Tori Spelling, who was on Beverly Hills 90210. Also a son named Randy Spelling, mm-hmm. who is, according to Wikipedia, also extant. I'm sure that he is a, a lovely fellow He's- with a... He's Rich. an actor. Is he? Yeah, he was on something. Does he look like Tori Spelling, but a, but with short I hair? I believe so, yes. Yeah, I can kind of picture him. Yeah. Let but me... it may be that I'm just photoshopping Tori Spelling's face. Yeah, he he kind of looks... Oh, yeah, I've seen him in stuff. He kind of yeah. looks like Warren. Yeah, he looks a little bit like Brendan Sexton, a little bit like... Um, whoa, that dude... Looks like Sean Smith. Yes, he does. Like a lot. Is that White like, Squall? That actually, uh, no, that is held for ransom. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, movies are so weird. Think of all the movies that we've actually, never that heard of. And that might be Randy Spelling that I just pointed at. <laughs> boy, they glamour shotted that, that picture up a lot. Yeah, let's see. What was he in that is, th- okay, so he only did 13 things he was on an episode of seventh heaven yeah he was on 14 episodes of beverly hills 90210 mm-hmm. he was on sunset beach that's i think that's what i know him so, from i feel like <laughs> dad can i be on one of your shows yeah sure which one i don't know the one that's on now what's tori doing <laughs> yeah so yeah sunset beach he was on 387 episodes Oof, of. main character i guess yeah, I feel like I watched some of Sunset Beach. I think it's like a, I think it's a daytime soap opera. I, I, I think it like definitely I is. Some of it. Yeah. I feel like I always think Kristen watched it, but then maybe I, maybe she always turns out not to have. Memories are memory is weird. Um, it's so yeah. Aaron. You know, you want to know? What, you want to talk about memory? There's a word for it. It's also the name of a 1920s art movement. <laughs> Is it surreal? Uh huh. Do I win? <laughs> you win, like Andre Breton. So <laughs> hey, <laughs> I <have> to fisticuffs. <laughs> you t- Whoa. Okay. I know that we're trying to be like more modern. I would watch a surrealist that's like Newsies, but for surreal artists. Mm-hmm. It's like a Disney movie musical, a la Newsies, but it's about that like 1924 brawl. Sure. And they're like singing, but also they have like randomly, you cut the camera back to them and it's like, I have a milkshake. You cut back, it's like, no, the milkshake is an umbrella. And it's just like, what is happening here? And it's just completely unwatchable. You know, surreal. Yeah, I was going to say, and by the end of it, you're not sure if you've gone insane or if you were always insane from the beginning. Santa Fe, slice of bread, and I eat a pickle backwards. What is happening? (laughs) (laughs) 
also, uh, I did some looking into what he would have been auditioning for. Okay. There were a couple of things that came out in 1999 uh, to have auditioned for, but there was only one. I don't know when auditions happen versus when a show comes out. Um, sure. So I imagined, I mean, this is past um, March to May. So the Teal Dublin show Rescue 77 was already off air after having been on there for a little bit. Um, okay. So, and then Forbidden Island, literally, it says it was a 1999 American TV series. And that's it. The Wikipedia oh. is the most sparse Wikipedia page I've ever seen in my life. But I think our candidate, as long as they could make it, you know, audition and film by uh, the fall from September to November is a is a show called Safe Harbor. Okay. It was an American television series that aired on the WB from September 20th to November 28th, 1999. It was created and executive produced by Brenda Hampton, who at the time was best known for work on the fellow at WB series Seventh Heaven. The series paired with Seventh Heaven on the network's Monday night lineup. And uh, the rest of this paragraph is uh, people loved Seventh Heaven and not Safe Harbor, despite the fact that they were like, eh, the same night, right? Um, yeah. yeah, they were like, no, thank you. So here's a quick synopsis. And, I, and what I want you to do when, when you're listening to this is try and find the Brock in this. Okay. Um, <laughs> so. This is a fun game. Yeah. Find, find the Brock. John Loring is the sheriff of a local Florida town named, named Magic Beach. There's the Brock. <laughs> the, the Brock is the beach. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. He is a widower who has his hands full finding the truth behind his wife's death and raising his three sons, Hayden, Turner, and Jeff. (laughs) Hayden, Turner, and Jeff? (laughs) Hayden, Turner, and Jeff. Jeff is best friends with Chris and Jamie. Uh, Jamie was the girl that is played by Kyler Lee, who played the Lainey Boggs character in Not Another Teen Movie. Um, Okay. Fun fact. Wasn't uh, she also Meredith's sister yeah, on yeah. Grey's Anatomy? Okay. Yeah, but I try, I'm trying to keep it on uh, no one remembering Grey's Anatomy and only remembering not another teen movie because I some people just want to watch the world burn, Aaron. Um, okay. So. I never yes. saw that not another teen movie. I did see Grey's Anatomy. Yes, and she quite was. Frankly, she was very good on it. She was. Yeah, I've seen some good stuff and she was on there for a lot longer than she was on uh, not another teen movie so like yeah but also she was in because that was a two-hour movie in Grey's Anatomy she was on for a few seasons yeah if it was two hours I'm um I'm Andre Breton um hold on one second all movies are two hours no yeah absolutely that's that's a good call I just want to see if she was on this show that we watched yes oh my god she was also before she was on Grey's Anatomy she was on uh Reunion which is a show that Kristen and I started, and every year... It's sort of like, actually, uh, the show that I do with Daniel Frankenstein's Jukebox. Every episode is a previous year. So you start at the reunion, and then basically you keep flashing back to this time when someone died. Okay. This and sounds, then, you've, t- you've told me yeah, about this before. The problem is that it ended after, like, five episodes. So one, we didn't get to know who did it. Two, that's so frustrating. We didn't get, I mean, it was, it was good. It was fun. I mean, like clearly no one was watching it or whatever, but like it was, it was the first time when I was like, oh, they just, they just straight up canceled it. Huh? All right. Well, 
I guess. And the, the producers are like, we weren't far enough into the series for you to know. For us to reveal who the killer was would not make any sense, which I was like, I mean, that sucks. So you're like, so it's probably somebody that we never even met. I think I think that the Wikipedia now has the full thing on it. Oh, um, okay. The full, the full, like the full revealed plot or whatever. Um, okay. We may have talked about this in the like third episode of Unabashedly Obsessed about TV. I feel like I feel like we did. We definitely talked about the show at some point. Canceled TV. No. Yep. That makes sense. Um, yep. So. Uh, yeah, so she, and then she also was, yeah, Lexi Gray on Grey's Anatomy. So, uh, Jeff is best friends with Chris and Jamie. Oh, sorry, is best friends with Chris, and Jamie is a runaway John cares for. Wow, that's a badly written paragraph. Anyways, okay. helping John raise his kids is his eccentric grandma, Grandma Loring, played by Rue McClanahan, who runs the local beachside motel. Fine, so the Brock in that, in that show... Um, I did look up the children of John. They are all child children. They okay, are not so teens. Brock is not the correct it, age for that. For Hayden Turner or Jeff. Mm-hmm. Or Chris, because presumably Jeff is a... Actually, I know for a fact that who the actor is, but like we can presume that Jeff and his best friend Chris are roughly the same age and not... Jeff is friends with this middle-aged man. <laughs> right. Doc Brown, played by Brock right. Hudson. So, yeah. So there's nobody. He could be auditioning for, like, a one-off role. Sure. It could be just, a, like, a, a one, yeah, a guest But he's not going to be old enough to play... Yeah, widower sheriff, sheriff John Loring. Or whatever yeah. his name is. Yeah. And John John Loring. Yeah. Um, And he's too old to play any of the kids. Right. So I have to imagine he is the one that killed uh, John Long's wife. Mm-hmm. So. Actually, uh, that tracks. Yep. I would believe that Brock was the one who killed John Loring's wife. For sure. That's that's with just Brock and not me thinking of Matthew Lillard and and Matthew Lillard and the Descendants where it's affair and killer. Um, uh-huh. But <laughs> sure. Anyways. Yeah. So that is what... Uh, the show that I would imagine that Brock is auditioning for, Safe Harbor. Okay. Uh, it was like 13 episodes long. And then my final note for this is about uh, is about body licking and spit smell. Oh, oh, okay. Only to say, on the one hand, show some gratitude, you asshole. Right. On the other hand, I get it. Like, sure. Same. You have an audition. No one talks about the the smell of spit after you've been licked by a high school girl. That is a sentence I just said. A um, sentence you just said, and and true. No one talks about that. No one. No one talks about and, it. And with good reason. And then I then I came to the conclusion. Nope, still an asshole because he could take a shower, and exactly. that is the conclusion that I came to. Yeah. He could and should, because presumably they've just finished having sex. Right. I mean, presumably. So you should take a shower before you audition for that WB show, my friend. Like, uh-huh. were you playing the teacher? You playing the uh, bartender? There's no place where you're going to audition and the smell of spit and sex is going to be yeah. a, a recommending aspect to you. I mean, I suppose it's possible that they haven't had sex yet. That's what she is angling for. And he's like, no, let's watch my real world reruns 
Yeah. And like maybe they just maybe this is like Saturday morning and they just woke up. Yeah. I would assume that that's what it has to be if he's got an audition at two. It's not right. going to be at two in the morning. <laughs> Although I hear Aaron Spelling was a taskmaster. Well, I mean, that's all. I suppose that's possible. <laughs> yeah. 2 a.m. Everyone who makes it gets a shot. <laughs> all right. You know what? That is a way that you could choose to run your business. Yes. So um, just real quick, though, uh, the other thing that he could have, if if he was referring to um, the new spelling drama as uh, including TV movies, um, he could have been uh, auditioning for Satan's School for Girls. Oh, that sounds more like something that he would be doing. It's a remake of a 1973 ABC movie of the week. The TV movie is about a woman, Beth Hammer Smith. That's a fantastic name. Mm-hmm. Uh, who attends Fallbridge College for Girls under the name Karen Oxford. Nah, no one will success, suspect you. Once enrolled, she soon discovers a satanic cult of witches. So, like, it is what it says on the on the label. Does it say why she's using a different name? Uh, she is undercover to, offend, to find out why her sister, who is believed to have taken her own life, but I guess Beth Hammersmith doesn't think that that is the case. Oh, well, I'm willing to bet that she thinks that it's the satanic cult of witches. <laughs> Who could it be? Who could it be? What's this flyer? Satanic school. I'm going to take a tab because I just, you don't want to pass that kind of thing by. Might be a clue, might not. <laughs> just going to file that one away. Just going just gonna to take that. I'll, I'm going to take two in case I miss one. Might misplace <laughs> the one. Um, yeah, so he could he could have been auditioning for that like... Uh, he could have played Reuben or TJ, those have. characters, in Satan's School for Girls or whatever it was. So, yeah, take a shower, but also I get sort of he's nervous maybe about auditioning. He wants this part or whatever, so he's like, can we, can we, I'm trying to get in a different kind of zone. I'm trying to channel my sensitive side by watching these, re- these reruns of a time that I was sensitive. <laughs> and, and Yimho totally dissed me. Fucking Yimho, man. <sighs> Yimho, God. Anyways, that is all I have. What a what a ride uh, this minute twenty nine has taken us on, Aaron. It sure has. It sure has. Should I uh, give your vocal cords a break and do some social media? <clears throat> you know, I'd love that. I'd love okay. that. Okay. So we as a podcast friend Chai's are on Twitter at je underscore minute movies. Individually, James can be found at Unabashed James, and I can be found at Unabashedly Aaron. I'm giving James's vocal cords this is a rest. fantastic. <laughs> oh, you ruined it. <laughs> uh, we are proud members of the Scavengers Network, alongside a bunch of other great shows, one of which James is going to drop an ad for after the outro music at the end of this episode. Yes. Um, that's going to do it for us today. Tomorrow we will be back with yet another scene another new scene that Mm -hmm. may or may not involve something as gross as smelling like someone's spit or as esoteric as the surrealist movement (laughs) or that (laughs) but until then try to be nice to people
The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content. Greetings, Scavengers Network listener. Do not adjust your podcast adjusting apparatus. This message is meant for consumer data. Something adjective is coming to the network very timestamp needed. On February 17th, 2022, get ready to join. As Sid, Colin, Tay, and Dan, as they take you through the hit 1996 film, Space Jam, in the network's newest podcast. It jams for the end transmission. Peace out, cool dudes. <laughs>